Happy New Year. Today is uh, the last day, of course, of this year, and we're headed for another year. And in, in response to what has already been brought today, just about uh, waiting on God and trusting in God's promises, and um, you know, I just, I, I just want you to say, I just want to say to you today, it's not too late. You're going to change. Amen. I have a word, I believe, from the Lord that I want to share today about our new year. And I think God wants to make a new you for a new year. And so that's the word I want to talk about. New Year's, uh, there's nothing really magical about passing from uh, 11.59 tonight into 12 a.m. this this coming morning, there's nothing magical about it except that it does represent a new day, like a new year, like a new thing. And uh, oftentimes this is that time of year when we take advantage of the opportunity to evaluate where we have been and, and uh, be thoroughly disgusted with where we've been. And want to make some changes and want to see things different in our lives. Statistics show that about roughly about 40% of adults in the United States of America will make what they call New Year's resolutions. Things about their physical fitness, mental health, financial improvement, their diet, their diet, their diet. (laughs) And... uh, These same statistics reveal, though, that only about 9% of us actually finish the course. And usually most of us give up by the end of the month. 23% give up by the end of the first week of uh, January. And this all goes to show us how, how tough it can be to change. It's a really tough thing. What we, uh, we want things to be different. We want things to change. We just don't always want to put in the, uh, the work or the process, or should I say the pain of change. And uh, so we struggle with that. We all, we all want the benefits that come with change, but we just don't want to go through the work of the change. Can I get a good amen out there? So today we're going to talk about change. We're going to be talking about a new you for this new year uh, in the sense of becoming different. And um, I'm 60 years old, and I never cease to be amazed that I look at myself and I think, when just about when I think I kind of got it together, it becomes apparent to me that, oh, I actually need to change here. I thought I was a lot further along than I actually am right here, right now. I, I, I don't doubt who I am in Christ. Well, sometimes I do. But in, in truth, I, I know in my knower who I am in Christ, but I also am painfully aware sometimes at how slow I have been in getting where he's destined me to be. And this is... Uh, this is the word I believe the Lord wants to give us. And I want to just start this with a couple of scriptures. One is found in 2 Corinthians 5.17. This is kind of like the centerpiece of Christian theology. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ. How many of you are in Christ? Come on, isn't that good news? If anyone is in Christ, watch. He is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. The old is gone, Paul says. That's your reality. The old is gone. The new has come. And that's what he said in 2 Corinthians 5.17. He also said in Romans chapter 6, verse 4, Therefore, we were buried with him, that is with Jesus, through baptism Unto death, that that is, when Jesus died and we believed in him, we died in him to our old life. We were buried with him in baptism concerning our old self, right? 
He says, we were, if anyone, uh, I'm sorry, he says, we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. On the one hand, Paul says, the old you is gone. But because of that reality, you and I are always to be walking into the newness in which he has made us brand new. But there's going to be changes that need to happen in your life. And that's what I want to talk about today. So let me just pray and then we'll get into the word. So Lord, we thank you for today. We thank you for this past year. We thank you for what growth we have experienced, what changes we did go through. And I just pray today that as we are setting our sights on a future walk with you, stepping into our tomorrows, even today, I pray, God, that you would um, direct our thoughts today in this word. Speak to us as only you can, I pray in Jesus' name. And everybody says, amen. Turn to your friend and just tell him, you know, you are going to change. Go ahead and tell him that. In fact, tell them right now, you have been changing. Because a lot of people don't believe that about themselves. They don't believe they've changed. As I said earlier, when we were saved, everything was changed about us. And we experienced this newness of life on many different dimensions. When we believed in Jesus, we began or we had received a new beginning in life. We were born again. And we stepped into a new relationship with God. We were no longer enemies of God, but now we knew Him as children of God. And He was our Father, is our Father. And we were given a new identity. My identity now is Christ. I am in Christ and He is in me. I received and I became a part of a new family. Amen. Sometimes you don't like your family, but you got to get over it because you're now a part of a new family and uh, you were given a brand new purpose and a new calling of God and you received a new power to live out that new purpose of God in your life and you stepped into an eternal a new eternal destiny with God where you were going to rule and reign with Christ from now through eternity. Amen. And then you began to embark on a new journey and a walk with God. You weren't going to be walking by yourself. You weren't going to be walking for yourself. You're going to be walking with God. You're going to be living your life in His presence. Everything about our lives became new. Old is gone. New has come. Amen. And everything about our life was, in a way, changed in an instant. But, if we're honest, not everything about our living was changed. And we were changed inwardly. But that inward change that happened needs to have its outworking in our lives. Paul said, old things have passed away, but that doesn't mean I put all things away. Old things were passed away, but sometimes I held on to the old way. Or sometimes I fall back into the pattern of the old way. Or sometimes I believe the lies of the old way, and then I find myself kind of responding in the old way. And in my reality, old things have passed away, but sometimes I didn't put it away. That makes sense. So, I was changed, but I need to constantly, continually keep on being changed and transformed into the person He created me to be. I'm in the process of becoming. Yes, process. Get used to it. Amen. So when it comes to change, some people love change. If you're like me, you hate it. But if we're honest, we all want things to change. Let's be honest about it. Some people are like, I don't want change. No, you really do. 
You want your government to change. You may want the president to change. You want the price of groceries to change. There's just two of us. It's over $200 every week. Somebody tell me what I'm doing wrong. I don't have any major vices in my life. I don't buy, you know, things that cost a lot of money, except for, I guess, hamburger. I want prices to change. I want people to change who annoy me. I want things to change. I don't always want to change. That's what it really is. I want, speaking of change, our world has progressively changing in our society, right? They call it progressiveness. I want regressive change. I, th- I want things to change back to the way it was. Guess what? It probably won't. So what do I got to do? I got to change. And I'm not changing the values. I'm not changing the truth. But me personally, I've got to change. And some of the things that you and I want to change will never change the way we want it to change. But I've got to change. Well, now don't go quiet on me here. Amen. My podium's about ready to fall. I've got to change that. So, as we set out on another year, what about you needs to be new? Where do you need to change? As I said, some things will never change, but in Christ, we always are changing. And uh, I looked at this verse, Proverbs chapter 4, verse 7 says, Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom. And in all you're getting, get understanding. And when I was preparing for this word, I thought of that scripture. In all you're getting, get understanding. And so to become a new person for this new year, there are two things we really need to get. Number one, we need to get rid of the old man. If you're going to change and you're going to become the new person, there's some old yous that you've got to get rid of. Amen. And by the way, let me just say, I want to thank you all for coming to listen to a word today, to worship the Lord and to hear a word that was strictly meant for me. So this is, my, this is me preaching to me today. But thanks for being here. Get rid of the old man. Paul says in Ephesians 4.22 that you, are, you and I are to put off. Everybody say put off. Put off concerning your former conduct the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lust. Paul is writing to Christians. He's writing to followers of Jesus. And he's saying to these believers... Because of who you are in Christ, now you have to adjust your living, your lifestyle, your choices, your issues in your life, and you've got to get rid of old man stuff, old you stuff in your life. I would even call it junk. Some of us are really good junk collectors. You've heard that phrase, one man's junk is another man's treasure. The problem is we treasure the wrong stuff sometimes. And we hold on to things and we harbor things and we keep things that we need to be putting off. And when he said put off, literally in the Greek language that means to take it off like it's a dirty, filthy garment that you want to get out of, that you need to get out of because you can't wear that where you're going. And so you got to put off the old man. you got to treat it like it's an old, filthy garment, not something that you should be caught dead or alive in. And get rid of it. Get it out of your life. Put it off. Here's how Ephesians 4.22 says it. This is the New International Reader's Version. He says, you were taught not to live the way you used to. 
You must get rid of your old way of life. That's because it has been made impure by the desires for things that lead you astray. Here's what Paul is saying. If you hold on to your old ways, you will end up going in the wrong way. And so you got to get this off of you and out of you. And here's the other truth we find in Scripture. It says that we are to lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily besets us so that we can run with endurance the race that has been set out before us looking unto Jesus who is the author and the finisher of our faith. How many of you know that Jesus is Lord? So we're looking at Jesus, we're going with Jesus, we're going where Jesus is taking us, but he says, listen, if you're going to get there, if you're going to run with endurance, if you're going to cross the finish line, you've got to lay aside some weight. Old man stuff. That can lead to sinful action, which just slows you down. It impedes your progress. And what are these things? Well, to use a common expression that we hear, especially in um, uh, circles where, uh, I can't even think right now, people you know that are getting free from alcohol and things like that. Uh, recovery, recovery. We all have these hurts, these habits, and, we, and these hang-ups, and these are things that we got to get rid of in our life. For instance, we need to get rid of unforgiven hurts. Some of us are carrying the weight in our heart of actions and words of people who have wounded us. And whether it was in 2023 or whether it was in 2013 or 2003, some of us have been carrying pain from what other people did or didn't do and said in our life. It hurt us and we've carried this. And you know what we did? We forgave it. And then they hurt us again. And we forgave it. And then they hurt us again. And now we have an offendable heart. And now we carry a wounded spirit. And you know you have this wounded spirit because it builds up in you and it blows out of you in bursts of anger. That's where that kind of stuff comes from. It's because there's an offense that hasn't been dealt with. Paul said, you got to put off the old man. The old man who is easily offended by what other people have done or who, who have been offended by the actions of other people. And, and when we keep that, all that does is weigh us down and keep us from walking in our freedom. To Jesus, Peter came to Jesus one day and said, Lord, how many times should I forgive someone who offends me? Up to seven times in one day? And Jesus said, nah, I don't say seven times, I say 70 times seven. That's hyperbolic language for always forgive. Period. Every moment of every day. Because you're only hurting yourself. In fact, Jesus right after that gave a parable about a man who owed another man millions of dollars in, in money. And the, guy, and, the, and the guy that owed the man that, he went to him and said, I beg your forgiveness. Would you please forgive me of my debt? And the man forgave him and sent him on his way. And then that guy who was forgiven turned around and found people that owed him money, a far lesser amount, but he wouldn't forgive them. Of their debt. And then the man who heard that he wouldn't forgive those, even after he had been forgiven, took the man and threw him in prison. He says, There, now you got what's coming to you. And what Jesus is teaching us in that parable is you only hurt yourself, you imprison yourself with unforgiveness. Amen. It's time to change. And part of that change is i got to get rid of those unforgiven hurts in my heart that I've harbored. We also need to get rid of unhealthy habits. I know nobody in the room has a bad habit, but we're talking about people in the second service. We all have habits that are destructive to our health, to our mind, to our relationships with people in our lives. I know this doesn't sound very spiritual, 
But these lifestyle choices are literally killing us. And at very least, if they're not killing us, they're, they're, they're robbing us of a full life in Christ. And some of us have poor eating habits. Some of us lack exercise in our life. Some of us struggle in our poor sleeping patterns and, and we handle stress in the wrong way. We will sometimes abuse substances. We will, we will go to things that we think will bring calm and relaxation to the stress in our life. Or sometimes we eat emotionally or sometimes we get involved in mind-numbing activity just to numb the pain that we're feeling. This is how we're handling the stress. And these are habits that are unhealthy to the real you that Jesus made you. Remember, all things have passed away. All things have become new. But Paul said, walk in that. You, he, here's how he said it. You should walk in newness of life. Amen. And so, sometimes we also have these really poor social habits where we isolate ourselves from other people. And that's hurting us. It was Ralph Waldo Emerson who said, when you sow a thought, you reap an action. And when you sow an action, you reap a habit. And when you sow a habit, you reap a character. And when you sow a character, you reap a destiny. And so we've got to change. And we need to we need to get rid of the old man habits in our lives. I want to remind us here today in 1 Corinthians six nineteen and 20, Paul says, Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? For you were bought at a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, both of which belong to the Lord. It's not just your heart that belongs to Jesus. It's your body. Your very life. Your very living. And so when we abuse our body, we don't take care of ourselves. We are, we are basically doing what happened in the Old Testament. We are just misusing the temple of God. Stuffing it full of things that are non-essentials and have no place in being there. And we need, we need to clean out the temple, so to speak. We need to change. Amen. Come on, can I get a good amen out there? So we need to get rid of these, the old man unhealthy habits. And then let me talk about unbearable hang-ups. We need to get rid of this too. What is a hang-up? A hang-up is something we are fixated on that becomes a roadblock to our growing in the Lord and going and fulfilling the plan of God in our life. Some common hang-ups that we have are some of us have anger issues. Some of us have anxiety issues. Some of us have control issues. Right, Julie? Not Julie. Some of us have, not her. I was just saying amen to her. Some of us have depression issues and greed and guilt. Some of us have issues of just being mad all the time. And materialistic and perfectionist and lust. Pride and procrastination. We're hung up. We're hung up. It's like somebody picked us up, put us on the back of a door where there's a hang, and we're just hung there. And we can't get over it. We can't get past it. <laughs> Thank God I'm a new creation in Christ. Somebody get me off of here. Because I can't seem to get off of this hang up. Amen. These things are not things that you and I should be 
hung up on. We should walk in newness in which we've been made new. So what do we need to do? We need to clean out our heart. We need to clean out our attitude. We need to clean out our spirit. Michonne told me the other day that she's been spending this downtime cleaning out her cupboards. I'm right, right? It was the cupboard. And she said, I just got a bunch of stuff in my cupboards that have just been built up over years. And some of us got stuff in the cupboards of our soul and our heart that we're hung up on and we need to get it out. It's our responsibility. Here's what David said, Psalms 139, verses 23 and 24. He said, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties. See, that's what, that's what really some of this leads back to. It's just a bunch of my anxieties. It's the anxieties that I'm allowing to get in my spirit, in my soul. He said, know my anxieties and see if there is any wicked way. Wicked, think of wicked like wicker furniture. How wicker is all kind of intertwined and all tangled up. And when he's saying, see if there is any, what way in me is so twisted and so out of sorts? And lead me in the way everlasting. Amen. If we're going to get changed, if we're going to be a new person moving into this new year first, we need to get rid of the old man. And then second, we need to get ready for change. It's time to change, but you got to get ready for it. You got to get yourself ready for it. Ready yourself, ready your heart. I love the scriptures. God said in Isaiah, Behold, I do a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not see it? God promised, I'm a God who likes to do new things. How many know that God is always working in your life? God works all things together for good to them that love Him and are the called according to His purpose, right? So one of the works that He does is He's working new things. He's doing new things. In Revelation, the Bible said, at the end of time, the Lord says, Behold, I make all things new. So the Lord is ready. He's working in your life and in your life to bring change. But you and I have to cooperate. We need to get rid of the old man. And then we need to get ourselves ready for where he's going to take us. I was reminded of that story when I was preparing for this in John chapter 5 where there was a man at the pool of Bethesda. And he was there. The Bible said he had been there crippled unable to get anywhere in life for 38 years. How long has it been since you really feel like you've been able to move in the Lord? For 38 years, this man laid by a pool and he was just wasting away. No change, no difference. Alive, but not really living. Jesus walked up to him and said the most insensitive thing he you could possibly say, are you ready to change? In other words, do you want to get well? Or do you want to lay here the rest of your life like this? And you know, the man's response to Jesus betrayed his real issue. He said, oh, well, I, you know, I have nobody to pick me up and to carry me and put me in the water just when I need it. He was making excuses. But really what we've seen is an insight into his heart. He had learned to live with it. He had learned to cope with it. And so he, well, I, I would, I would change. But isn't it obvious? I can't. And then Jesus just said, stand up, pick up your mat, and walk. And the Bible said the man did. He was changed. He was transformed by the power of Jesus' words. But he had bought into the lie that I can't change this. And that's a lie. Amen. And so... I think there are some obvious commands in Scripture to help us 
to step into our newness and into change. It's, it's as if Jesus were saying to us right here, right now, stand up, pick up your mat and go. Here, here, are, some, here are some clear indicators of how we can get ready for change. Number one, we always have to be pursuing the truth. There is no change without truth. All real change begins with truth. Jesus said, if you abide in my word, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. The result of truth is your freedom and your transformation and your change. But we have to go after truth. Jesus said, I am the way the truth, and the life. If you want truth, you've got to come after Jesus. And you've got to come after His Word. And you've got to pursue His truth. Proverbs 23, 23 says, Get truth and never sell it. Pay whatever price you can. Pay the price to get the truth. And keep it. Don't ever let it go. Amen. Get into the truth because the truth is where your freedom, your change, your transformation comes. But it's amazing to me how often we don't really want to know the truth or we don't want the truth. Isaiah chapter 30 verse 10 says, this is what Israel was saying. They said, they tell the seers, stop seeing visions. They tell the prophets, don't tell us what is right. Tell us nice things. Tell us lies. Tell us lies, tell us sweet little lies. That's what they, you know what, this is really a, what we don't always want to hear the truth. Why? Well, because as somebody said one time, the truth will set you free, but first it makes you miserable. Because we don't always like what the truth says. But to our detriment, because we're not pursuing truth, we're hurting ourselves. Why? Why is this so important? Because behind every self-defeating defect is a lie that we're believing. And if I'm going to break the power of that lie, I need to break it by the power of the truth. And again, you know, I know we say this all the time, but it's a new year, it's a new day, tomorrow's a new beginning. Start by getting yourself into the truth of God's Word. If you do nothing else, get a Bible app and read the Scripture of the day. I mean, do something. Amen! Because that's the truth. We call the Bible... It's kind of like an owner's manual, except I'm not the owner. You know, you get an owner's manual when you buy things, and it says the owner's manual. But really, the owner is God. But it is my manual. He gave me His Word to help me know how to live life and to do it right. That's the truth. <laughs> the other, we bought something here at the church, and it came with a manual, but who needs a manual when you already know how to do it. And then I fouled it up. And I didn't do it right. And I was like, how come this didn't work? And I went back to the manual. I was like, oh, I totally didn't catch that. And let me just say something about God's Word. There's so much of it you haven't caught yet. Don't, don't lie to yourself and think, ah, I know it all. I've heard it all. I've been there. No, you haven't. You've ignored, you passed right over. You looked at the picture, but you didn't pay attention to the instruction. <laughs> Amen. I love, I love picture Bibles too, don't you? So, to get ready for change, we need to pursue truth. Secondly, we need to be renewed in our mind, in our, th in our thinking. Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. 
How does God transform me? By me changing the way I think. And then he says, the result is, you will learn to know God's will. Who doesn't want to know that? The problem is we want to show up to a church service, somebody call us out prophetically and speak the will of God over our life. We don't want to go through the process of mind transformation, mind renewal. And I'm glad for prophetic words, but listen, sometimes you just got to crack the book and start living your life the way God instructs us to live. And that's a process of the way that we think. The word, uh, for he said, uh, he let God change you. Uh, he, God will transform you into a new person by changing. That word changing means to be renewed or to renovate. It means it's this idea of reforming your mind. Or I like to say it like this, retraining your brain. We need to retrain our brain. Because we learn things the wrong way. Amen. And we need to learn things the right way, which is God's way. But the word transform, everybody say transform. But let God transform you. That word in the Greek is the word that we get the word metamorphosis from. And that describes what happens to a caterpillar becoming a butterfly. And that's transformation complete change though you're still that whatever that is (laughs) insect I guess I don't know what they are and now it's different though you crawled before but now you fly you were kind of eh so so but now you're beautiful you know that change that transformation where does that come from Paul says here's how the metamorphosis happens we don't crawl into a chrysalis and go through that we crawl into the truth and we start thinking and readapting and retraining our brain to think the way God thinks and to think along the truth of what God says in his word amen and so this is how transformation happens but if I'm going to be renewed in my mind there's some things I really have to come to grips with for instance If you want true mind renewal, you have to accept responsibility for the way you think. Some people say, well, you know, I I would be different, but I just can't. My life has been so hard. That's the way that you're, you're thinking that way. That's not the truth. You have to take responsibility that you're in this mess and you're stuck in this cycle in your life because this is the way you think. You think this way. This is why Jesus came and died on a cross for us. Not just to wash away our sins and ensure that we go into heaven someday. He came to reform our life. And to revive us and to renew us and to make us and to retrain our brain and and to heal us of this brokenness. The problem is we don't want the in between. We just want insurance. We want fire insurance. We just don't want to go to hell. He came to give you a brand new life. Amen. You got to believe also that you can change your mind. You can do this. And it's clear in God's word that he really believes we can because it was in his word that he said, meditate on these things. Paul said in Philippians 4, think about these things. Things. That's clear indication. The Lord says, I know you can do this. Amen. And then we need to confess what we believe, not how we feel. That's part of the problem of why we get stuck in faulty thinking is that we we blurt out and we communicate how we feel rather than what we know to be the truth. If you're like me, you say, I just can't seem to get over this. I just can't seem to stop doing this. But you can. You can. 
It's kind of like the old adage that says you can't stop a bird from flying over your head, but you can stop it from making a nest in your hair. So you can't stop discouraging, doubt-filled, depressive thoughts. But you say, whoa, wait, I'm not, that's not, that's not sticking here. Amen. And it's clear in God's word that he thinks you can do this. Because he's commanded you to do it. Amen? Then, number three, it, to get ready for changes, we've got to be ready and willing to put in the work. We have to be ready and willing to put in the work. Now, there are myths that we believe about change. Sometimes we believe that change is just an automatic or that it should happen instantaneously, like it should have happened yesterday. Uh, we think that if all the circumstances are just right, then things will change. Another lie that we believe, a myth, is that we can just change by sheer willpower. And I'll get to that in a moment. But we cannot change ourselves by ourselves. But we do need a never give up kind of attitude about change. Like, you can never give up on yourself. You can never give up on the, the possibilities of what will be. We can never give up. We always have to believe that there's a new day tomorrow. The mercies of the Lord are new every morning, Jeremiah said, as he sat in the wreckage of sheer rebellion and godlessness that befell Israel after their rebellion against God. And as he's looking at all the chaos and all the wreckage, he says, you know what? God is good tomorrow. We ruined our lives today. We messed things up today. But God is still good. And he'll be good. And he'll be good. And we can't give up. Don't give up on yourself. Some of the most important words I ever heard were from Julie years ago when I was bemoaning how my struggles and how I kept failing in certain areas. And I remember her saying to me, you have been changing. That just made a world of difference to me. Like, really? Do you think I've been changing? She saw something in me I didn't believe about myself. Amen. And for that, I'm glad I married her. Here's what Paul says. You've got you to put in the work. You've got to stick with it. You've got to stick with the process. It's painful. It takes time. But you've got to put in the work. Be there. Show up. Play the game. Follow through. Paul said in Philippians chapter 2, verses 12 and 13, Work hard, he said. To show the results of your salvation. Obeying God with deep reverence and fear. For God is working in you. Giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases Him. God's there. He's with you. But you've got to be willing to step into that work. And follow through. And show up. And be there. Be present. Amen. And if you fell down and you weren't present yesterday, today is a different day. You don't have to uh, mistreat yourself and shame yourself and pull yourself away from God until you feel like now He won't be angry with you. No, come with your messy self and all and say, I know that you're God and I'm not. That's why I'm coming. Amen. And you just, I'm putting in the work, God. I'm doing what I, I'm, I'm showing up. I'm here. Another thing we need to do to get ready is build a team around us. I have to hurry up here. So we need to build a team around us. Be surrounded by people who can help coach you, a community of comrades who can help you because you can't do this by yourself. The reason that you've been brought into a new family is because you need this family in your life to love you, to be patient with you, to tell you a thing or two when you need to be told a thing or two. Amen. Lovingly. Speak the truth in love, family. 
Let's not be throwing things. Amen. So we're supposed to, we, we need people around us. We need, we need relationships that know how to coach us and to comfort us and to spur us on. I can't do this by myself. And so there are 58 one another scriptures. I'm not going to read them, but I do have one in Galatians 6, 2, and 3. I love this. Paul says, share each other's burdens, and in this way you obey the law of Christ. If you think you are too important to help someone, you are only fooling yourself. You are not that important. I love that. Flip that around. If you think you don't need somebody's help, you're fooling yourself. You're not that good. Knock it off. Stop thinking you got this figured out. You don't. And there are some people around here and around the kingdom of God that you, you, we can't know everybody, and I certainly don't necessarily have to listen to everybody, but I can learn from everybody, and I have to have that attitude. I have to have the attitude and the mindset that there are certain people that God brings into my life, and I need those people in my life because they know how to cry with me, they know how to talk to me, they know how to challenge me, they know how to hold me, they know how to kick me in the rear, spur me on, that's the scriptural. So as we come into a new year, get connected. Get connected. And then the final thing that I want to share with you guys is, and I said all this to say, to get ready for change, you and I have to trust the Holy Spirit to empower us to change because we can't do this in our own strength. Can't do it. I can't change me by myself, but I can change. Does that make sense? And how is that possible? Through who Jesus called the comforter, the friend. He said, I'm going to send you to his disciples after three and a half years of being with them. He said, I'm going to send you another comforter. Another means he's like me, but he's not me. Because I'm going away. I'm not going to be here physically. But I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. And he will be in you. And he will help you walk this out every day. You're going to have the Holy Spirit. And you're going to need the Holy Spirit because you can't do this in yourself. You need his power. And the Holy Spirit is not only the presence of God like he is present with me but he is the manifest power of God he enables me he gives me ability beyond myself to be everything that Jesus created me to be and in Zechariah the Lord said these words to Zerubbabel who was trying to rebuild the temple but they were having problems the Lord said your strength Your strength will not get my temple built. Your power will not do it either. Next part. Next part. Only the power of my spirit will do it. You can't do this by yourself. But my spirit in you will. Amen. And then in 2 Corinthians 3.18, here's what Paul said. So all of us have had the veil removed and can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord who is the Spirit makes us more and more like Him as we are changed into His glorious image. So we have the Holy Spirit who's bringing us, as one translation says, from one stage of glory into another stage of glory. As we behold the glory of Jesus, we are being changed. Come on, say it out loud. The Lord is changing me. Come on, you need to believe that. The Lord is changing me. I know, I know yesterday wasn't a great day. But I'm being changed. And I'm, and I'm going to insist on it. Amen.
Let's all stand together. New year, new you. New year, new you. A lot of things about your life may never change. Your job situation may not change. Some of the family issues may not change. But I have to change. I don't have an option. That's, that's what I got to do. And it'll be glorious. Can I have those who are going to pray come on up and be ready to pray? If you have any needs in your life, any areas about change that you would like prayer for, or healing touch, we want to invite you when we're done here, when we say amen to this prayer, you can come this way. And we'd love to pray with you. Father, we love you so much and thank you again for this last year. Thank you, Lord, that your goodness was all the way through this last year with us. Even when moments came when we asked, where are you, God? Or I can't do this anymore, Lord. We want to thank you, Lord, that we are here today. And we're ready to go into tomorrow. And I just pray, God, that when we leave here and go into our tomorrow and into our tomorrows, Lord, that we would go joyfully and that we would go powerfully. Fill us with your Holy Spirit. Have your way in us. Move in us and move through us in a powerful way, I pray. Life-transforming way, not only just for us, but for those around us. Help us to walk into those pools of Bethesda like Jesus did and actually help people experience life like they never experienced it. Not that we're just getting changed, but we're helping to bring change into other people's lives. We ask these things in Jesus' name. And everybody says amen.